0: Hello, hello, hello everyone, all these wonderful people here with us live tonight, and who's us? Us is Evie Botello sitting right here with me, thanks for being back with us Evie, it's good to have you here, here. and of course my whole team, we got Mike, we got Morgan, we got Aaron, and somebody named Ryan is now sitting back here watching how this all operates, All right, so really excited for tonight's program because we had a lot of big news this past week, and uh, the biggest news of course was that... um, Elon Musk made a little bit of an offer for <laughs> Twitter. And, and and so for people who don't know, I've had
1: What was that pause? Come on.
0: I've had a little bit of a run-in with the censors this past couple of years. And I am a free speech devotee. I <laughs> I totally believe in A, you have to have free speech. B that if you don't have free speech, you're not gonna get to the truth any quicker. You're gonna get there a lot slower. But C, it's up to me to regulate and manage my own reactions to things. And so one of the things that I'm fundamentally against is this idea, a very patronizing idea, that says, well, I'm not worried about how somebody else's tweets might affect me, because I'll never be a racist, but I'm worried about other people and how they'll <laughs> respond. And of course, they might see a bad tweet and turn racist. It's a very patronizing point of view. It fundamentally says, I don't trust other people. I want to talk about that. I want to go into what happened with all of that and um as well i did i've been shadow banned on twitter um yeah you've
1: been abused
0: yeah but but this Mm -hmm. is there are a lot of my heroes out there actually got completely deplatformed we'll talk about them Mm -hmm. and uh, i do want to go through what uh what's uh, what's everything's going on in the world Mm -hmm. today so i know you just had a little little experience with well you know what this you know what this bleeds back into yeah tell me mass psychosis now it's kind of cool i saw
1: mask mask psychosis i
0: think yeah that's i I believe i I believe i believe i have the twitter record i I was the first person to tweet that term but um little claim anyway i amuse myself in the morning as you know trying to think of clever stuff to go on twitter but um uh so we saw remember we saw this it was a really beautiful production by after school it was that animated production and it talked about mass psychosis watched it made other people watch it with me, digested it, traced down, uh, chased down some of the uh, the references they had in there. So Miris Julu and uh, Hannah Arendt and just looking at this whole thing. And then that led to um, an interview with Matthias Desmond. Mm-hmm. And then after that, we saw and that got really good traction. I really liked the response we got off of that because it was really great framing.
2: Yeah. yeah.
0: It, it really was. helped help me understand like how to explain these people in my life who'd otherwise gone insane Mm -hmm. hold up your hand if that's happened to you uh everybody listening this has had this experience of having somebody that they formerly trusted in their life go a little insane through this whole COVID experience of course that's the part of mass formation and then robert malone goes on joe rogan and it was like a two-minute piece in the middle of a three-hour romp through Vaccine data and early treatments and everything you could imagine, and then and then Robert Malone talks about mass psychosis, mass psychosis, and that the the the, the there was a crew of people out there who went insane about that. It got fact checked, it got debunked. Of course, there's nothing to debunk. It's a theory, <laughs> and it has lots of history, and it's a pretty solid kind of an idea. Mm-hmm. Um, but you remember that?
1: I do remember that. That was quite the thing because I mean Robert Malone. If you've ever listened to him, I'm is is in. quite the amazing man, he's obviously very intelligent. He has tons mm-hmm. of facts at the tips of his fingers, and he has surely a lot to say about many, many things. Um, but for him, for that to be the thing that caught people is interesting. What do you think about that?
0: Me think the senator doth protest too loudly.
1: <laughs> you think so?
0: <laughs> that was my idea. That, as soon as I saw the reaction to it, mm. that gave me more information than the substance of the reactions themselves. Mm-hmm. Right, so the substance of the reactions were typically ad hominem uh, collections of logical fallacies. Uh, you know, you know. Obviously, they were from people who hadn't familiarized themselves at all with the body of work, didn't know what they were talking about. They, but they reacted strongly, mm-hmm. which said, "Quite possibly, somebody had their finger on the actual button
2: mm.
0: of what was really happening right. in in this particular scenario." So, so fast forward a tiny bit, and here we are now in. Uh, uh, Twitterville, and Elon Musk makes uh, an offer for Twitter—forty-three billion dollars.
1: That's a lot of monies.
0: I know, I know. <laughs> and you saw all these people immediately go. Why doesn't he solve world hunger with that? And 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 uh, lots of other uses for his money immediately came pouring out of people who who thought he was.
1: How helpful! I Make, love when people do that. Well,
0: here's how many people I've heard so far from that same crowd, and I don't know how to characterize these people yet. I'm going to call them authoritarian.s They really like the authority of regulating and policing what you can and can't say, mm-hmm. what you can and can't think, mm-hmm. and most importantly, how you are and are not supposed to feel. Right. So I call that fairly authoritarian. That's a little authoritarian. I mean, if you grow up in a household where your parents said, "We're going to control what you think, what you say." How you feel?
1: You're going to end up in therapy.
0: You will, of course, <laughs> and I do think there's some of that coming mm-hmm. at the end of this story for lots of people. So, um, so I've not heard from that same crew of people prior to this a big discourse on why it maybe was completely inappropriate for Jeff Bezos to buy the Washington Post because hmm. he's part of that team, yeah. You're right, were, right? Um, I haven't heard anybody say, "Hey." why is bill gates buying all that farmland maybe he shouldn't maybe a billionaire shouldn't control that much farmland. hey why doesn't bill Gates give those same billions to hungry people right none of that came right. out right or to
1: the farmers so they can get out of debt from having a, uh, you know massive things hanging above their heads yeah that'd be nice of him
0: <laughs> it would be so <laughs> so at any rate that's what we're going to be talking about here today and i want to get right into it um and so great Aaron, yeah, I, I, I call, these were the mini tyrants in this story. I felt like there were a lot of mini tyrants. So what's a tyrant? A tyrant is somebody who, who wants to impose their will on the people. But, but there was this immediate refreshing return of free speech. I saw people coming back to Twitter mm-hmm. who hadn't been on there in quite a while. And all of a sudden, I was getting new people on my feed. Now, I didn't quite qualify for the bonus uh, structure here. The bonus structure was a lot of people started reporting within hours Oh my god, I got 10,000, 20, 30, 40, 100,000 new view, you know, followers. So that's been one of the ways I've been banned by by Twitter is watching my follower count. Evie can tell you about this. What happens is I get up near some round number. Like 69,995. I remember that one. 69,995 <clears throat> followers. I was plus or minus that number for weeks and weeks. I gain one, lose one. You know, I was on that program. Um, and so that was that was the program I was on for a long time and I saw other people who weren't in that, who weren't losing subscribers Mm -hmm. all the time, weren't losing followers. This happens to me on YouTube. It's just one of the little tricks. It's one of the tricks that the purveyors of big tech really like to push. They they think that if they can convince you that you're not popular, one of the ways they do that is by manipulating your your subscriber counts.
1: Oh, absolutely. They do that all the time. It's
0: a little popularity game for Mm -hmm. them. So in their world, I'm sure that's one of the worst things that could happen is to have some a mean girl in high school verbiage, you know, controlling your your popularity, right? Mm-hmm. That must be like the most amazingly damaging thing they can do. Little do they know I don't really care. I care that they're doing it. I don't care about no, the I actual know. numbers. That's a part. All right. So let's go to the mini tyrants in the meltdown over Musk. Uh we gotta go into this a bit. This is gonna be fun. Um
1: Do you want to remind people before we get started, just tell them that this is a a little bit of a different format? Because I think maybe people could use some clarity about that. I'm sure that if they've clicked on this, they're expecting to see one of your normal presentations, which is.
0: Well, this is the informed consent live cast. So this is a totally different thing. We're going to mostly be chatting. We'll be bringing guests in. Oh, I forgot to mention it. We have a great guest joining us later today. Seneca Scott, mayoral candidate for Oakland, super guy amazing and very intelligent uh very thoughtful very hard to put your finger or thumb on who he is (laughs) he's a union organizing second amendment um you know protecting guy you know it's like how do you make sense of that right um it's just who he is he's amazing and but but what really caught me about him the reason i wanted to talk to him is that for the past few years he's been helping people in oakland particularly inner city oakland have access to gardens. They've been gardening and growing, you know, gorilla gardening and converting empty lot space and That's planting so things <clears throat> and putting up greenhouses and doing all of that. And he's doing all that because he's like, I think we have to, mm-hmm. I think it's time. So this is the informed consent live cast. I thought we'd bring it up, informed consent. We should talk about why we named it that. Um, I like this idea of informed consent. There's been a little bit too little of that going on the last couple years. But once you actually peel back what's been happening, in the medical arena prior even to COVID, you will discover that this little thing, which is supposed to be one of the enshrined central principles of medical treatment, informed consent, it's defined like democracy, as democracy really. It's right? well it informs a lot of things. It's anything anywhere where there's an actual risk and a benefit and you need to understand both to be able to make a decent possible good decision. Hey, do you want the undercoating with that car? Right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What how much does it cost? How, what will I get, what's the benefit, all that, right? So informed consent is, uh, quote, permission freely granted after being made aware of and understanding the possible consequences, risks, and the benefits of any given procedure, action, or event.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I, I added a few words. It's not the typical. The typical one just talks about medical stuff, but I think it goes further than that.
1: I, I agree with you. Yeah. When I looked it up, I felt the same. It's applicable to so many things. So... Tell them about why you, you wanted to name the show Informed Consent.
0: Because I was really worried about Johnny Depp and his relationship with Amber Heard. <laughs> Is
1: was that wor- what it was?
0: I was worried he, de- he wasn't aware of all the possible consequences <laughs> getting involved with her. Right? No. <laughs> um, it's because I really, be- I really I really believe in this idea that people, when armed with all the context, will make the right choices. So that's been my whole program. This whole past couple of years, I drag out the data. I use big words. We use all the context, and I trust. And this sets me apart from the mini tyrants. I trust that people are going to make good decisions based on that. They might not make. This, they're not even going to make the same decisions I would make. Like this isn't me going. Oh, I. If I give people all the right information, they'll do what I would do. Mm-mm. They'll come to their own conclusions and make completely different decisions. They might say, I don't want to take been 1, which is HCQ. That I don't want to take the, you know, ivermectin. I, I don't want, I, I want to do this. I, whatever. I don't care. But I do care that they have access to all the information, which is why what's been happening on Twitter the last few years has been so offensive to me.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Because this, they're trying to couch it. Oh, we're trying to make a safe place, which is inclusive, and people don't feel threatened. It's like, yeah, but you were also busy blocking doctors who are highly qualified who had treated thousands of patients some of the most highly decorated most um, honored and published doctors in history mm-hmm. were being banished from the platform for daring to say <laughs> something different than what the what policy wonks at the nih the cdc the fda were saying i found that really offensive i mean deeply offensive as an american as a citizen as a human being it was really wrong it was wrong
1: that was very wrong and not just censoring the doctors, but like other people's, other citizens of the world, you know, their experience. Like remember trying to seek out coverage in any given country during this pandemic and the frustration of watching it just slip away or get, you know, taken off of the search engine results. And, mm-hmm. you know, you saw it, you know, not more than five minutes earlier. I mean, Well, this was frustrating. super
0: frustrating because I would have, you know, I would I have this incredibly categorizing mind that remembers things so i'll remember the whole headlines that i read years ago and i'll be like i know all the words and i would start typing those into google and i couldn't find the articles anymore and then i started doing this in DuckDuckGo and had better success mm-hmm. and then they got a little squirrely on this whole thing and then yeah. i had to start using quant and then i used brave and so I'm, I'm now i'm finding that that i have to be more i have to use a lot more persistence yeah. To find what I'm looking for, and I'm not even sure I'm seeing it at this point. So I use I use VPNs to tunnel out of the country. I use um, anonymized, you know, um, uh, windows. So you can use these sort of, you know, you use the
1: right
0: the incognito window in Chrome or the so as a equivalent researcher brave. that's
1: going to be really frustrating for you. <clears throat> it
0: is. I think I should just be able to find what I want to find
1: <laughs> without
0: walls of ads or or just shaping shaping language which is just completely different mm-hmm.
1: you know oh yeah like remember i mean just we've talk, talked about this bef- before but uh the kyle rittenhouse trial where you know the data in that just got corrupted from source to source and you're trying to figure out when it got corrupted or where it got corrupted or what the actual facts were mm-hmm. i mean people when we're talking about you know public health issues i just think that's absolutely unacceptable yeah you know to have and and i don't mean like shut sources down that aren't right i just mean let's have some accountability so we can change or shift the way you know our our public knowledge is managed yep <clears throat> excuse me
0: all right so informed consent here we are that's why we we call this because it's permission freely granted mm-hmm. not coerced
1: do i need to find that waiver you gave me so we can Keep chatting. Yeah,
0: no, it's not (laughs) coerced, right? Mm -hmm. If if I, so this is the weird thing to me. So when it came to, we already know this, right? So I thought we'd solve this when it came to sexual harassment in the workplace. We said, hey, if your superior says as a condition of keeping your employment, you have to do something that involves them doing something to your body that you don't want them to do. We'd like, "Uh uh-uh, time out. That's illegal. Got Mm -hmm. a set of rules there No, no, not yours, right?
2: That's right. Yeah.
0: Well, then we fast forward. So when it came to the vaccine mandates, I I felt that was this. It was similar. It felt like coercion to me because people were saying, "I don't want this thing," but you're telling me as a condition of my employment, I have to get it, and you can't explain in a way where I understand all the possible consequences, risks, and benefits. Mm -hmm. Um, So it felt coercive. It like it felt against this very principle to me. It was the opposite of this. Mm -hmm. Right. It was uninformed. Lack of consent.
1: <laughs> it, it really was. It was very invasive. Some people were even comparing it to, to that, you know, those sexually yeah. explicit acts.
0: Right. And and so again, if but if somebody <clears throat> wants to make the decision to have a vaccine, great. If they want to make a decision not now, they want to see more data, great. If they say not for me for reasons I don't want to talk to you about, great. That's how I, I I'm a big believer in that. Mm-hmm. Big believer. All right. I am too. The second part of this then is freedom of speech, and this is. This is the, I like this definition. This is mostly the one that's sitting in wiki, but I I changed a word or two in here. Uh, Freedom of speech is the principle that supports the freedom of an individual or a community to articulate their opinions and ideas without fear of retaliation, censorship, or legal action. So I think that's official retaliation, official censorship, official this and that. Now, this gets a little blurry because remember for a long time, people kept saying well facebook and twitter they're private companies they set their policies right yeah, they've changed th- some too. of those same people have changed their tune recently like oh it's <laughs> just because twitter is going to be taken p- private by elon that doesn't mean he should da, 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 right so they, they, they seem to be a little bad on the two-way highway they like the one-way highway yeah some of these people I know um, do. but we how ha- we heard jen saki say in the white house press briefing that the white house was busy flagging misinformation on Facebook so that blurs the line between is this what kind of censorship is this is this private censorship by a private company mm-hmm. soon as you have the White House weighing in on something <laughs> it that now we're deeply into what would be a constitutional enshrined right which is the you know that once the government's weighing in that 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 doesn't blur the line between public private I think it just makes it public right away
1: mm-hmm. instantly absolutely I mean if they want people to sort of listen to the laws and, and the, the other things that the federal government government is excuse me has put into place they they shouldn't be messing around with the definition like that in my opinion.
0: right Well oh, I'm gonna skip ahead because this gets a little this gets a little <laughs> this gets a little scarier now and oh, yeah. um,
1: scarier than it is right now in this moment. Yes. great
0: because of because of this i thought this couldn't possibly be true george gammon good friend of mine he tweeted today um it turns out breaking the biden administration creates disinformation governance board they have a governance board via the department of homeland security and it's run by a gal that george says was an advisor to the ukrainian government so i had to look it up it's true and openly advocated for censorship. True bonus, she said Hunter's laptop story was Russian Russian disinformation. I thought, well, that can't possibly be true. So you know me, I have to hunt this stuff down. So um, in the National Review, they wrote here in yellow, quote, the head of the new Department of Homeland Security Initiative to combat disinformation cast doubt on the New York Post's since-vindicated story on the content of Hunter Biden's laptop ahead of the 2020 election. Nina Jankowicz, a Wilson Center fellow, will be executive director of the DHS's planned disinformation governance board. Ooh, creepy much, right? Oh, no. Um, and uh, the and, and the Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas revealed in congressional testimony earlier on Wednesday that the agency is creating the board to target disinformation in minority communities.
1: Why minority communities?
0: That's a good question. <laughs> why it, is disinformation especially rampant in minority communities or is this part of more of this patronizing that's thing insulting. which is like oh <laughs> we would never worry about the people of greenwich you know believing disinformation they're smart and intelligent we have to worry about these poor minority communities which are defenseless
1: right let's worry about <laughs> harlem I mean, against seriously i mean really
0: that's what it says to me i i you I know, know that, that's
1: how i hear too
0: it's really it's it's
1: are people angry about it
0: they should be well i am i'm annoyed. i mean i'm offended by that like like that offends me right yeah thank um, you. so carrying on uh on, on the slides jankowitz uh has previously appeared to suggest that the hunter biden email story was part of a disinformation campaign quote disinformation experts she said say there are multiple red flags that raise doubt about the email's authenticity including questions about whether the laptop actually belongs to hunter biden we should view it as a trump campaign product end quote i'm pretty sure that this alone disqualifies her from having any post having anything to do with this information
1: <laughs> or governance <laughs> well if that you fail
0: this badly this was a huge whiff so you would think somebody particularly in the wilson center you know this is a think tank They take a lot of money they just she's paid to sit around and look at stuff mm. um i knew that the hunter biden laptop story was real because i have a comcast connection and what i do is i use you that brag. connection you brag <laughs> i know not everybody has one <laughs> Sure, Nina's a little short on this, but I mean, it's it's it allows me to ferret stuff out, and it was very clear that the provenance of that story, uh, was was real, it's Mm -hmm. still real. So, but this is going to be the woman heading up the center.
1: She looks so nice to
0: combat disinformation.
1: She, how could she possibly be bad? She looks so friendly.
0: How I don't, I don't even,
1: young and happy that we even have a disinformation,
0: uh, campaign at this point i'm being
1: facetious by the way
0: just anyway so let's get back to twitter though because i'm really pretty excited by getting this back so
1: yeah
0: i love the babylon b right i and part of free speech humor is just part of that like i don't want george carlin self-filtering remember all those great routines george carlin would just like just push the edge and he was so far ahead of his time. You can watch him 15 years ago talking about how your immune system needs to be, you know, how I think he said... um,
1: Strengthened by germs. Yeah,
0: it needs to be fortified, you know, strengthened with germs and all that. And that all these people who were washing their hands with with soap were, you know, bactericidal soap were not in the business of getting themselves healthy, right? And that their immune systems were someday going to be challenged by something real and their insides would go to mush or whatever. So humor is important. The Babylon Bee... Put this. They put a tweet out where they were announcing one of their satire articles, where they had announced Rachel Levine. They, uh,
1: they've been killing it this year, by the way. They have been like through the pandemic. I was like, wow, yeah, these people actually have great sense of they have a great sense of humor. Whoever's right. running that right now,
0: right? Even the, the meta humor on top of their humor was really funny. Where they said, <laughs> um, you know, our headlines are coming true so fast. We're we're worried about keeping up, you know, because <laughs> their satire was being was being caught up to and overtaken by reality at whole points so they put this tweet out and Twitter said um you have to take that down and we're suspending your account till you take it down that's exactly what they said they said this is it um hi Babylon B Twitter wrote back here on March 20th uh your account has been locked for violating the Twitter rules get my fancy drawing tool out here because I love this thing uh Specifically for violating our rules against hateful conduct conduct you may not promote violence against threaten or harass other people on the basis of race ethnicity natural, national origin sexual orientation gender gender identity religious affiliation age disability or serious disease
1: What how it's humor how is that threatening violence and promoting violence rather what? I don't understand.
0: Well, I felt. I think they said it, it was harassing. I guess they were going to harass based on sexual orientation. But you know what's missing from that list? I looked at. It didn't. It took me three readings to realize something was bothering me. Political orientation is missing.
1: Hmm. You're right.
0: That's what they've been doing. They've been very heavily censoring, on the basis of political orientation, at least in part. But
1: they're yeah. pretending they're not.
0: But they're pretending they're this big, all inclusive. You know offend nobody sort of a company right so (laughs) so i'm bringing all this up not not to rehash the rachel levine thing i'm bringing it up because of this this just happened um yes a couple days ago from now and so let me get this out of the way so we can see it so this person rex steeder uh this was around so libs of tiktok is an anonymous account and this woman behind it we now know woman it's a woman. Uh, what she does is she finds just TikTok videos put up freely by people, mostly liberals, and then replays them for people on here on Twitter. And, and it's a very popular account. It had like six, seven hundred thousand people following it. And um, Tucker Carlson's noted it. And it's really just the people in their own videos making mockeries of themselves and they put these videos up. So this was very offensive. Offensive enough to this person, Racksteeter, who wrote, "Active assassination mode activated, activation word, libs of TikTok, target, Raychik, which is the woman's name, um, begin operation, and then a, a picture of a assault weapon. So I, I would consider this fairly threatening,
1: mm-hmm.
0: right? Yeah. I mean, it's not even all that veiled. Would you agree? I I, I agree. All right.
1: Does our audience agree?
0: <laughs> Does our audience agree? I hope so. Well, we'll find out. Do you agree? You. Do, do you agree that 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 this potentially to you looks slightly more threatening um, in a realistic way or something than this? Which of these two things would you find actually a little bit more hateful? Potentially, I mean, just just at any rate, we're going to compare these two things. So um, this this then the woman behind libs of TikTok. Uh, what did she do? Um, she actually reported this to Twitter. And you can see it here. Your report about Rake Steeter here, mm-hmm, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And Twitter support came back and said, hello, thanks for reaching out. We've reviewed the content, didn't find a violation of our policy, so no action will be taken at this time.
1: Really? hmm Wow. That's shocking. I absolutely agree with you. And which one seems to be more...
0: Yes, 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 <laughs> yes, 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 yes. I'm reading comments now. So yes, a <laughs> lot of agreement over here. That's awesome. Maybe we should we have put a poll up. Uh, yes. Yes. Aussie mom. Hey, part two of this, uh, we're going to be talking about some Australian stuff there. So hope you can make it. Yay. Happier than ever says, yes. Um, yes. So, I mean, but to me, that's really shocking. Really shocking. Mm-hmm. This got the Babylon Bee, a satire magazine, a media company. Mm-hmm you know, suspended their account because they violated these rules, specifically the rules against hateful conduct, and then this was not ruled. Hateful conduct. And I got the proof. I got the goods.
1: Yeah, how do you know that's real? (laughs)
0: Because I went to the account, and they had posted it.
1: Oh, they had posted that? Yeah. Interesting. Anyway, this
0: just shows the the asymmetry.
1: Right, there's not any congruence around what they're finding
0: right so that's why when you go back to this and you notice you notice what's missing right they're like oh no we're just going to ban the stuff that offends us Mm -hmm. but if it doesn't offend us offends somebody else is possibly hateful possibly threatening to somebody we don't care about Mm -hmm. well we're just gonna say we looked at it we didn't see anything wrong with that Right, so it's that asymmetry again. Mm-hmm. This and this is the unserious part about this whole thing. This is the, the people who I think could formulate this and hold that crazy idea that that this is really offensive and deserves suspension. But this is OK. That for me, it's that um, complete lack of ability to see that there's um, those are incongruent, that these are there's deep hypocrisy embedded in these things right? That's fine. Listen, I can live with hypocrisy, but what I can't live with is moral hypocrisy. People who are outraged, offended. How could you not know that that Rachel Levine piece was deeply, deeply hurtful, and we have to protect people against that? But this?
2: Hmm.
0: No, but you don't understand. That was against a person who we've all decided we hate. So I think this is the hard part about being part of that, that hateful tribe is that your inclusion and your continued good graces of being part of that tribe are entirely dependent on never slipping up, saying the wrong thing, accidentally having a a point of view or a thought that's out of conformance with the approved set of thoughts that you're allowed to have, and that that must be deeply unsettling because, of course, it means you can be banned, ejected, shamed, shunned at any moment in time for slipping up.
1: Exactly. Well, the the whole idea of these these companies, which are privately owned, as we've talked about, but are publicly used, I think a lot of people probably just have the assumption that, you know, this is news, this is information, it's credible, blah blah blah. This is, but when in reality, these are just opinions, and and the people that own these do have, uh, in my opinion, a huge responsibility to protect our freedoms. Right. By not censoring individuals in a way that um, harms the overall sort of ability for people to express themselves. But. Yeah, I I feel that there's, you know, there's at least some accountability there, but I don't know. What would you think? What would you do differently?
0: Well, I just continue being me, um, which is so. 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 So when remember when you and I were, we're, were just so. So we got for people who don't know, Evie and I, we have this sort of biggish piece of land and, and farm and so we this is a whole other side of our lives it's about resilience we got cows out there we got chickens we got a garden maple trees making the soil better but we want more people to come here at some point in time and we could imagine certain future scenarios where people might need a place to go and so we were wondering you know just sort of thought experiment like how would we pick the right people in a hurry like how would you you know select who's in who's out remember this
1: yeah i do what, going back to uh, the show we would we would put people in a room yeah say
0: 50 people showed up we, we'd put 50 people in a room mm-hmm. and they'd all be facing this way
1: right we'd, we'd have a projector
0: we'd be facing that way but on the screen behind us we'd put bill burr or some really offensive like comedian and if somebody could laugh George at Carlin? all the jokes they're in but you can't just laugh at some of the jokes you can't just <laughs> laugh at the catholic jokes but get really offended at the muslim jokes you can't that out Right, because the idea was that people who are difficult to offend are actually easier to get along with over time, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. I'm hard to offend, but I do get offended a little. I get upset by people who want to limit how I think, what I can say, mm-hmm. tell me that I'm not allowed to explore thoughts, because that's the only way I know to grow my brain and, and mm-hmm. learn new things. Is it's Learning is an uncomfortable process. It actually it's never really easy. is.
1: It really is when you're trying to just take information in and make new adjustments to your belief systems and and shifting that as new data comes along it's not an easy process
0: yep yep hey uh, Aaron can you bring up that that I see we have a super chat there uh, I think that's actually a really good comment uh, it's over on the left is where I'm seeing it um, so this is interesting um, and We'll see if it's over there, if it pulls up. All right. So um, the comment here, which I'll read out, because I'm not sure if it's going to pull up on the screen. We'll get it there as soon as we can, uh, is from a CVA Buck, who wrote, your comparison to unwelcome acts is spot on. The kink community is huge on informed consent, and withholding risk info is tantamount to consent violation.
1: hmm Yep. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, so, so to, to not inform somebody like what you're really actually about to do to them is a huge violation, a consent violation. Mm-hmm. So consent is really, really important in this whole overall story. Absolutely. I um, think
1: it's probably underneath, you know, the structure of most of our lives, honestly. Yep. I mean, it, it doesn't, until it's violated, you don't even really notice it. I don't notice it sometimes. Mm-hmm. But when somebody sort of does violate it even if it's something small I start to realize how much I appreciate you know that being able to give consent for something right right because there's a lot that sort of gets exchanged in yeah. the public arena or socially speaking
0: so I'm not saying at all that that this should just be the Wild West and everybody should just run around triggering everybody and, and be complete um, unpleasant people yeah, I am responsible for how I how I my impact in the world I'm responsible for the words I use and I'm responsible for the things that uh, how I conduct myself. I'm a big believer in that too, right? And so, as we're younger, I was not that sophisticated when I was younger, right? Come I'm a guy, on, so most guys don't actually <clears throat> hit maturity till they're like forty. I mean, it takes a long maturation process, right? We're ready, really? You done? <laughs> it took a time. It took a while. for me. It did. <laughs> not everybody, um, but uh, but it does. It takes time to to learn and grow into becoming a a fully formed person. Mm -hmm. And all along the way, though, those were mistakes. I had to bump into things. I had to put my foot in my mouth. I had to say things that were awkward. I remember I was talking with a a gentleman who I uh, mentored pretty extensively and, and for a period of time and had a really close relationship with him for a while. And he went to Stanford. Oh, yeah. Stanford University, right? Handsome guy. And... So I remember asking him, like, his junior year or something, you know, just sort of uncle on the side kind of a way, you know. Just like, hey, how's that going, you know? How's, how's your love life, you know? Yeah. And um, just asking. He, he just sort of he, he stiffened up. And he's like, oh, no, no. Uh, none. Me and my, none of my friends, we don't we don't date. I was like, what? That's college. He's like, oh, no. He's, he's, and he flat out, he said, I'm going to have 250000 invested in this. I can't risk that some girl who... I get together with six months later, decides that it felt a little awkward because I'm I'm going to get kicked right out of there instantly. So he didn't, he wasn't daring wow. to date because of the possible economic consequence and lifelong consequence of getting booted.
1: Oh, because of a consent.
0: Because because it could but have she- been, you know how it is when you're young and, and you haven't quite worked it out. could be awkward. It, it could be you're both a little tipsy. It could be, right. but if somebody then later goes on to regret that, like months later even, like, you know... I regret that that right, kiss. I
1: feel a little awkward about it. Or
0: mm-hmm. that contact or whatever it was. And then they could initiate a proceeding against you, which, by the way, would be held in secret. You wouldn't be, you know, you're not allowed to defend yourself. It's like a very Labyrinthian, Kafkaesque sort of set of rules that some colleges and universities have, have implemented around that. But I thought, how tragic that is, because that's what learning how to be, it's very complicated to be with the opposite sex, mm-hmm. and it's fumbly. And we've now said no fumbles allowed. Right, right. You you have to just show up on the scene as a fully formed, completely got it all wired up adult.
1: See what I thought you meant was that he didn't want to engage in relationship because if he happened to like the relationship ended and he was really upset, it would distract him from school.
0: No, no, he was worried he was going to get <laughs> kicked out of school. What you meant. He was gotcha. worried that he was going to get in it through these same sort of authoritarians, right? These <clears throat> media authoritarians were going to gleefully, happily, thoughtlessly. Without a second thought, destroy his entire livelihood for the sin of having been engaged in a possibly, eh, you know, difficult to sort of, you know, yeah. non-obvious.
1: That is really sad.
0: Entangle-y sort of a relationship. You know, they yeah. they were both probably, you know, awkward. Right. So it, it's basically criminalizing awkwardness.
1: Exactly. There's right? no forgiveness.
0: No forgiveness.
1: There's no sort of looking past the fact that you're starting to cut your teeth socially and you're, you know, yeah, trying yeah. to figure it out.
0: So I found that kind of tragic. I don't know how many other people are going through that calculus, but hmm. that's not how it was when I was in college that's back in the day.
1: Particularly men probably. Mm-hmm.
0: Right? I mean, well, it's it's fairly but... asymmetrical More, uh, and mm-hmm. l- I'm sure very complicated sets of reasons for why this is the case, but more men than women fall afoul of that particular Mm -hmm. rule set um
1: i'd hate that if that happened to me you know how i feel when i get accused of things i didn't do
0: do you like that (laughs) i hate
1: that i get so mad yeah really all right
0: let's let's go back to the meltdown real quick i found this one especially musky um (laughs) this guy tim wise a blue check mark a lot of these people have blue check marks go figure i've never gotten one what
1: does it even mean
0: it means you've been certified um By by twitter as as a real person and all this and that. Um, I use my real name. All that. Anyway, so Tim Wise, checkmark baby, so <laughs> writes F Elon Musk apartheid baby because of course Elon Musk is from South Africa. You, your company, and everyone who stands for you, I'm saying this on your platform now, and we'll keep saying it. Let's see how committed you are to free speech when we start roasting your ass. Um, so this is Tim Wise. So I had to look him. I'm like, who is this guy? And oh, good, he's an anti-racism educator. <laughs> glad you caught the joke he can't wait to can't wait to read his books
1: oh my goodness
0: I I have so much to learn about uh, being dispatches from the race war right so much to learn from this uh, mature gentleman about how to conduct myself F Elon Musk apartheid baby right so he's like like because Elon Musk was born in South Africa it must be that whatever he's going to do to Twitter has something to do with apartheid like he's just like throwing These loaded words, at this whole thing.
1: That's Uh, crazy. That's crazy. (laughs) I can only imagine what was underneath it, the below part of the thread.
0: Uh, You know, and he has under 45,000 followers. Uh, There was a lot of support for this. There was a lot of support. How about this one? Robert Reich, uh, who, uh, he's just, he's one of those armchair... um, very liberal blue check mark kinds of people who who may or may not ever have held a real job in his life um but well, he armchair he, quarterback? he opines a lot about things I and he's an economist things. robert reich writes here when billionaires like elon musk justify their motives by using freedom in quotes beware what they actually seek is freedom from accountability look at that hundred and three thousand likes by the time i'd grabbed it um wow and so uh what so here? He's just declarative. He's like, what they actually seek is freedom from accountability. Now, listen, everybody loves freedom from accountability. That's awesome. I'm not sure that Elon was seeking freedom from accountability by wading into this, but maybe. But it's all about the motives, right? He's not talking about whether this would be a good thing or a bad thing, or you know, w- trying to understand the ways right, in which a
1: dialogue, right?
0: Maybe you know what would have motivated Elon Musk. By the way, there's there's stories, rumors out there that what motivated him was that Babylon B. Suspension, like that that was part of it. Elon's really tapped into the inner tubes and, you know, sees all the memes and everything. So I'm sure he was aware of that. But at any rate, um, so this whole idea that what they actually seek is freedom from accountability. I would really turn this around on Robert. I mean, I'm wondering if this isn't just projection at this point that Robert feels like he's been able to skate by without a whole lot of.
1: Typically it is, right? I mean, a lot of times when people put something out there against somebody else, it's actually that. They're feeling uncomfortable, and they have the need to externalize that feeling. Yeah, it's classic humanism, (laughs) or whatever. John Dean,
0: blue check mark writes, "Not sure I'm interested in Twitter if Elon Musk owns it." Uh, So this is the John Dean who went to prison um, for felonies committed um, under the Nixon administration. I was going
1: to ask you that. So
0: I was just, it's like, yeah, that John W. Dean. So I'm just like, not sure I'm interested in Twitter. I, you know. Really, Mr. (laughs) Dean, is not enough opportunities for felonies now? Like, is it, it's like, like, I'm not even, so here's the thing. I'm not sure how, how, like, there's certain, if you are, if you are espousing the central narrative view, you can get away with anything. You can do anything and you will be brought back over and over again. John Dean's on TV all the time. Want to know his opinions, right? And I'm not saying that somebody with a felony a long time ago necessarily disqualifies you for the rest of life. I'm not saying that. But it's interesting that that never gets brought up. But if you're a person who is against the narrative, oh, my gosh, they tear your entire life apart and they will find that one thing and then hound you with it relentlessly. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's if you're on if you're on the team or not. So remember, I don't know if you remember this. um, There was an election a long time ago and it was in the primaries and the then governor of the state of Vermont um, was, uh, gave this little scream into a microphone, which was a, uh, during a whole thing, there's a whole room full of cheering people, but it was one of those sound deadening microphones, right? <laughs> gave this really awkward scream that when you sound isolated, it kind of sounded like a crazy dude, right? <laughs> but CNN knew that, that he had done that, that it had been a sound isolating microphone, that if you gave the context of the whole room, it was it kind of made sense, you know? And then ran that clip to destroy his chances i think it was something like 390 plus times in a 24-hour period just ran it over and over and over and over again because they needed him out because they were in support of a different candidate because they're part of the larger structure of helping the right candidates get in mm-hmm. right um so at any rate that's how the system works sometimes um
1: incentives and all well y- can't people buy like when i see like all the people that had followed that i was actually curious about or, or liked it hearted it I'm curious about if those are actual numbers well, we don't know people purchase tweets all the time I mean it's just a rigged system it's like all the other ones out there in my opinion I, I don't, I don't know how
0: many people on Twitter are people I don't know how many of them are bots right Could I be. wonder
1: if we'll get some new information if Elon's in charge maybe. oh
0: I bet we will because one of the things he talked about which I'm sure sent shivers up the spines of a lot of people was he said he wanted to make the algorithm open Meaning you could see how how the algorithm was parsing oh. so that, you know, coders could go in and take a peek and say, is this doing, is this apportioning things fairly? Because one of the things I've noticed when I say I'm shadow banned on Twitter, I see this all the time. I send out a tweet and it starts like the likes start coming in and then it just stops. It goes nowhere.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Right. It right. just it's like, that's it. All 103 people that were ever going to like this tweet found it in the first 18 minutes, Chris, and that's what happened.
1: Right. <laughs> You know hmm yeah it's kind of in inconceivable in, in some ways yeah so works. so
0: it happens um do you so, get
1: unsubscribed like people all that the are time following YouTube, all the on time Twitter? yep yeah.
0: people will get unsubscribed f- helpfully from my channel for them um it, it's very Twitter help very helpful that way so YouTube as well <clears throat> Yeah, I know uh, Brooklyn that. dad defiant who I go to all the time just when I need a pick me up um, writes really funny stuff Uh from, from the other side of things sometimes. He says, if or when Elon Musk buys Twitter, I'm not going anywhere, staying right here. Someone's got to hang around and say, F Elon Musk, right? Now, he doesn't even know what, what Elon is really about at this point in time. But this is what Elon said he was going to do. He said, this is the day before De- Brooklyn Defined Dad wrote that. Elon, this is all he's really told people so far. He said, I hope even my worst critics remain on Twitter because that's what free speech means
1: seems pretty valuable
0: this guy's already sure he hates this guy <laughs> he hates him now this is kind of funny because just a couple of weeks ago I thought Elon was the darling of many of the people in the on the side of things because he's the maker of electric cars who's going to Mars right he's putting up Starlink satellites that help the people of Ukraine remain connected and people in Africa actually have internet like he was the darling and he went from hero to goat just on the very on this one idea no, I don't think these people, like Brooklyn Dad Defiant, are scared that we're going to have new hate speech or lies. Mm-hmm. I think they're scared of the truth.
1: I'd have to agree with you.
0: I don't think they're scared of the lies. I, I think these people are scared of the truth. Um, and so, because there is nothing scary about this to me, right? I think this is a pretty mature, kind of a awesome statement. Fits right in with everything I understand about free speech and and what free speech means and what it stands for and it stands for this right um really does so uh but this whole thing about being woke is kind of tough i think dr cindy banyai for congress florida district 19 says before it's not allowed before it's not allowed i just want to remind everyone that elon musk is the beneficiary of apartheid and colonial exploitation billionaires are immoral Tax the rich. So, <laughs> Dr. Cindy uh, Banyai is saying that um, Elon Musk was the beneficiary of apartheid and colonial exploitation. So that
1: doesn't even make sense. That's
0: how we get to hate this guy, right? Because <clears throat> and maybe he was or, or or anything. But I just wanted to take this moment to remind Dr. Cindy Banyai of Florida that um, here's a little history for you. You might not have been aware because I know being woke is tough. Uh, This is about in Florida, quote, in the early days of its existence, the fledgling United States government carried out a policy of displacement and extermination against American Indians in the eastern United States, systematically removing them from the path of white settlement until 1821. Florida remained under the control of the government of Spain, but the U.S. territories of Georgia, Alabama and Louisiana were its covetous next-door neighbors. It was clear the U.S. wanted the Spaniards out of Florida and was willing to consider any means, including warfare, to acquire that rich land. And then, of course, um, Andrew Jackson came along, and he was, ugh, he was a piece of work, mm-hmm. and he helped um, do all of that. So, Cindy, before it's not allowed, I just want to remind you um, that you are the beneficiary of uh, Indian resistance, removal, and colonial exploitation. There it is. So... Stones, glass houses, you know, you know the you know the story, right? But I mean, I really, I this whole idea that like this is a this is considered by Dr. Cindy, this is a dunk on Elon. That's how you dunk on him. You just tell every like this is like no, you don't no need to discuss this any further. I I just told you, this guy is like beneficiary of apartheid and colonial exploitation.
1: I think we do too much telling in this country, not enough asking.
0: Really, what, what? do you mean?
1: We're just terrible at asking questions we just make these statements as if they're truth or they have they're factual and they're mm-hmm. not what evidence that's an opinion i mean even the new york times in my opinion has been getting this terribly wrong yeah. their front page you know of their um of their newspaper is all opinion based updates on what's happening in the world i'm like Hello, this doesn't belong here. There's an op-ed portion of this newspaper. (laughs) You're right. Yeah,
0: no. Often you find those um, editorials masquerading as as news articles on the front page. Happens all the time. So I ran across this um, this definition, which I thought was great. Woke, adjective, a state of awareness only achieved by those dumb enough to find injustice in everything except their own behavior. That's what I. I, It's just the it's the hypocrisy that's bothering me a lot. I don't know why that bothers me so much. Like that. I don't. I never have. Um,
1: Let's go to therapy. <laughs> well, maybe. I
0: would I would just would change, change the word. I think this would be stronger if they changed the word dumb out, um, you know, um, because I, I think that's a little inflammatory. But I, the rest of it works for me. A state of awareness only achieved yeah. by those n- not rigorous enough to oh. be able to find injustice in anything except their own behavior or something like that.
1: I remember that movie about America getting dumbed down? Idiocracy? Uh-huh.
0: Who knew it was a documentary?
1: (laughs) It makes so much sense now, doesn't it? (laughs) I mean, on some level, I think it's by design. Mm -hmm. You know that people become less self-reflective, unable to take criticism, unable to think critically or systemically. I mean, it's unbelievable to me. Yeah. Well, anyway, that—that's.
0: How old was Elon when he arrived in Africa in the 1980s, when he lived in Africa? Um, Well, how old is Elon? Do you think?
1: Seems like he's about my age, yeah. 40-ish.
0: Mid-40s. mid 40, forty, Early 40s. So he would have been born in, if he was 42, he would have been born in 1980. I can do that math in my head.
2: Mm-hmm. So,
0: yeah. Um, he would have been, he would have been a child. <laughs> Clearly responsible for apartheid and colonial oppression Absolutely. as a five-year-old. I know. It's, it's. we really gotta, you can't go too far Accountability. with these things. <laughs> so, today Elon Musk tweeted this out where, uh, I like this, so you got these three years here, 2008, 2012, 2021. Here's people on, on conservative right. They haven't moved. People in formerly just left to center haven't moved. <laughs> <laughs> but people on the far left have, have, have gone way, you know, they've, they've moved. And then, you know, um, from that frame of reference, have decided that these other people are now horrible or something like that. Anyway, that's how it feels to me. It feels like it feels like a whole swath of the country moved really far, really fast. But of course, this has been happening a long time. We had this thing called the politically correct culture, the PC culture. Mm-hmm. That was that was in play when I was in college. It was already starting,
2: mm-hmm.
0: right? And then, of course, I've interviewed Peter Boghossian and Brett Weinstein and and other people like that who are some of the and I haven't interviewed yet, but I hope to someday. Peter um, Jordan Peterson, right? Some of what I consider to be probably the best professors you could ever hope to have. Heather Haying um, Brett's wife right the best professors you could ever hope to have and they got ejected by a system that said we don't like the way you think here you're not conformist enough mm-hmm. and of course actually learning is not an act of conformity there's no right way or wrong way to think there's no it's, it''s be like saying everybody has to play guitar exactly the same way then we'll have proper music right it's not exactly how it works at all
1: no, it's not makes what makes our world interesting or beautiful, worth exploring even.
0: So I think we have a problem on our hands. It's that's pretty serious. And it's gonna take. It's gonna be hard to correct. And I'm not sure that it is correctable. It may be that you just have to start over, in some ways. Right? Is it possible to reform Evergreen State where Brett came from, or Portland State University where Peter Bogosian came from? Like, is it possible, or do you have to just start new universities? I don't know
1: some cases you do i mean that happened to me well that happened in the town that i grew up in in lancaster massachusetts at um of course it was a private college there but it just got so like warped from all sorts of politics like that that you couldn't really salvage it and it was sad because a lot of people that had gone to school there and graduated from there Mm -hmm. you know couldn't go back for their reunions it just doesn't exist anymore it's called atlantic union college um But, uh, yeah, somebody there was saying, I miss the 90s. (laughs) Of course, I don't know. Like you were saying, it's sort of had already begun. But I think now it's different because everybody has a platform in a way. Yeah. Well, I I really
0: liked the early freewheeling days of of the Internet. There were these really arcane chat boards that were tricky to find and (laughs) Usenet and all this crazy stuff. But it was truly the Wild West. You know, say anything, do anything kind Mm -hmm. of stuff. I get it. Maybe that isn't, you know say anything do anything isn't the right model but the way it's currently being practiced where um it's it's not even that human that people have come together in some democratic process have decided this is what we would like to talk about now is that this is controlled now by corporations is controlled by the government there are information is is a powerful thing information is a landscape and for a long time so so edward snowden released these uh, documents in 2015 that when I saw them, my eyebrows shot up because I realized what we were looking at there was he was explaining how there was one grid in particular. It was a six by six grid for the GCHQ, which is the British version of the NSA. And this six by six grid was how to control sh- comments, basically. So if you went to the Wall Street Journal or the you know New York Times and there's comments there and you think, oh, people are commenting on this article, they had a six by six grid for how you control the flow of the comment threads and every one, so it's six by six 36 separate they were called gambits for deception huh. and each of these gambits for deception was a each box contained within it an entire psychological operation that would be run in order to shape the narrative in the way you wanted it to go and it was so well tuned that as back far as 2015 they could have robots doing it that looked felt smelt t- red like humans so wow. you go into an article you're like well, you know, here's what I think, but, oh, nobody thinks like me, right? That's a gambit for deception. You, you get flooded with this idea that you're the outsider. And we had those ASH experiments, which were amazing, right? A-S-C-H. Um, and that was a professor. I about that. Uh, this, These were great. So they would have one test subject who thought they were just one of eight test subjects, but the other seven would be actors. And then they would sit them down, and they would ask them for their opinion on something, like something really stupid simple, like, which which of my hands is, is facing is, is further away from my body. Right. And this person would be like fifth in line that the test subject and the first four would all say, Oh, it's this hand, your right hand is further away from your body. But they would say it very declaratively. And you'd watch these people be confused and it would get to their turn and a surprising number of them go, uh, it's, it's that, yeah, it's, it's that one the right hand there right (laughs) and they did this with like lines of different lay or you know one plus one equals what you know and they would do this and they found that that conformity as long as a significant fraction of people that you would trust these people would be dressed well they would speak well Mm. right you could do it with people who weren't dressed well or didn't speak well and then it fell apart but if the more authoritative it was the more the ash experiment proved that people would follow as long as it seemed like that's what everybody else was doing Mm. so gambit for deception. Now you come into the comment thing. You're like, yes, I don't think we should be bombing, you know, giving cluster munitions to Saudi Arabia. I don't to bomb Yemen. I don't think that should. And you get under there and all these people are like, I believe in the in the free autonomy of Saudi Arabia. You know, it's too bad that Yemen was can't learn how to behave well with its neighbors. And there's just all these comments and you feel overwhelmed. Right. And that's just one of the gambits of deception. Right. They had all these other ones, which are subtle psychological tricks to take advantage of our innate buttons for reciprocity, social inclusion, not wanting to be embarrassed or ashamed, or da-da-da. Right. So that was 2015. Trust me, things have gotten a little bit
1: Ugh, they've more sophisticated. They've gotten wild and crazy, in yep. my opinion. I mean, it's all for clicks, right, and people doing things, not because, or saying things, or expressing things, or monitoring things, or censoring things, right, for yeah. money i think that's what well it's it keeps.
0: it's power so so there's different interests here um governments have policies they want to advance and they have a lot of interests. and those interests get a little blurry because right you know with Raytheon they lo- their interest is making money selling armaments the government's interest is in promoting foreign policy sometimes those overlap those those interests right yeah, that's a better and so thing. they all have a compelling interest to shape the narrative but it was explained to me by a longtime CIA operative who was retired that the information landscape has not been left to chance since mm-hmm. early 90s. Like this is like it's known. Like different things are powerful. Clearly, when we watched this mass psychosis come in around all things COVID, you, we saw the power of running an informational psyop or a battle. Mm-hmm. It's very powerful. It's wrecked families. It's wrecked relationships. It's wrecked whole generations. Oh, it's gosh, been yeah. extraordinarily powerful. Would we say that's more or less powerful than a bomb going off somewhere? Right? I would say it's more powerful I and agree. more durable. And um, it's
1: been going on even longer than that, too. Yes. I mean, remember the experiment, the white coat experiment of people shocking? The Milgram about, experiments, the, yeah. Yeah, back in the 60s, mm-hmm. right? 62 or something, I think. Um, <clears throat> those were incredibly shocking to me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, just how that t- how those turned out for people?
0: Yeah, so for those, I mean, everybody must know this, right? The the Milgram experiments, where there's a white-coated, very authoritative researcher telling somebody that they have to continue pressing shocks if this test subject, who they couldn't see but they could hear the screams of protest, if they couldn't answer the question correctly, they would press the next button on a voltage array that went up to like 450 volts, like lethal. Mm -hmm. And they could hear this person screaming, saying, I can't take it anymore. And the white-coated person's like, the experiment must go on. The experiment must go on. You cannot stop this experiment, right? And so that just shows the power of authority in this story. And so uh, that, we saw that. That that was part of the COVID mass psychosis narrative. It's like, wait, but Chris, you're just a guy with an internet connection. The CDC says... Mm -hmm. The people with the white coats say, mm-hmm. right, even if it was complete nonsense, right, they mm-hmm. would say complete nonsense. And then a week later, it was proven to be complete nonsense. Right. President of the United States, Joe Biden, said, if you get a vaccination, you will not be able to pass COVID on to somebody else. Right. I remember that. We, we knew that was false at the time. That was provably false. Still false. I don't see anybody asking follow up questions, but they should. Mm-hmm. But that was that's that appealed authority. Again, one of the gambits. For mm-hmm. deception mm-hmm. Um, so let's go back to the slides real quick because um this is where it gets a little little weird so uh sophia umoja noble phd wrote uh very recently in the la times my latest op-ed for la times with uh, rashad robinson under elon Musk's twitter takeover who will protect the users hmm.
1: who's
0: going to protect the users
1: from what from themselves, from words,
0: from words, from harassment. So curbing racism and harassment on Twitter. So it could become difficult. Now, um, the, she wrote here: "Quote: Elon Musk's Twitter takeover is triggered. Good word. Widespread criticism. Many people are panicked about the direction Musk will take the social platform. There's a reason for alarm." But focusing solely on Musk ignores the crisis of monopoly control without accountability that characterizes much of the media in this country. Okay, let's just do a little emotionally-laden word (laughs) search. This is an Easter egg hunt. Let's see if we can find any. Um, So takeover, pretty strong word right there. Triggered, very strong word right there. Criticism is a strong emotionally-leading word. Panicked. Panicked. I'll go with panicked. Um, There's reason for alarm uh crisis Mm -hmm. um monopoly control without accountability is a pretty strong pretty strong sort of a phrase right there um
1: and like you said this is so hypocritical
0: (laughs) well it is but that's that's a lot of that is a lot of sort of emotionally laden leading terms in just two sentences um, so I, that's, this is what I'm reading for all the time. Now it's an editorial,
1: ed- uh, yeah, you, you get
0: to be that. this way in an editorial that a little bit, but I mean, that's, that's pretty strong. That's really strong right there. Takeover triggered criticism, panicked alarm crisis, monopoly control without mm-hmm. accountability. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and that goes in when people hear those things.
0: Yeah. If you just read right through it, but it, it that they're designed, they're mm-hmm. designed to have an impact, right? So, um, that is the definition of propaganda too. It's emotionally, leading content that that is designed to sway an opinion in a a political direction. Um, Continuing, quote, ownership of communication outlets continues to be consolidated in the hands of a few, which has an incredibly harmful effect on politics, education, the way we narrate and understand our shared social societal challenges. End quote. I'm a fan of talking about this, but of course, we've been talking about this for over 15 years now, which is that there are now six or seven companies that dominate 95% of our landscape and just because but it's funny now that the only time this has sort of emerged that we have to be panicked crisis takeover accountability lack of alarm sort of way. the that now it's up because elon's doing this and elon's only stated goals so far are i'm gonna bring free speech back that's raised the crisis right now mm-hmm. that's the crisis we've had uh, banal absolutely terrible context-free reporting for far too long and it's been consolidated in the hands of a few for decades. Mm-hmm. And now it's a crisis. Because one dude comes along and says, you know what? Why don't we try this different? Why don't we try this with some free speech this time?
2: Right. Ah! <laughs> uh,
1: and big not, babies.
0: But but the, but, <laughs> but I think you got your finger on it before. It's, it's, again, it's the hypocrisy. I'm pretty sure... I'm just going to project, I'll do my own projecting. I'm pretty sure is not objecting to free speech. She likes her own free speech, and she wants to be able to say whatever she wants to say. She objects to other people's free speech.
1: Right. You spot it, you got it.
0: Yeah. But that's hypocritical to me. You either agree with the right and ability of people to say things, or you don't. Um, so... Uh,
1: yeah, you can't have it both ways. It just doesn't work.
0: So yeah. let's talk about this, because The Washington Post is, of course, owned by Jeff Bezos. He bought it a while ago. It's become his personal sort of, you know, rag um, and, and the reporting. And it's been horrible of late. And so just to get to this, so Royce White, who I've had on this program, I consider him to be one of my, he's a good friend. We talk all the time. Yeah, he's, he's a great. really thoughtful person. I don't agree with him about everything, but we talk about anything and everything. Mm-hmm without any boundaries and he says what he thinks and i say what i think and we 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 come to get like and he's got a very open mind um and so the washington post said how a former nba player and activist became a far right far right media darling far right so well, this
1: is a hit piece about him
0: yeah it was a hit piece because he's he's running against Elon omar um in, for a congressional seat in up there. And so, of course, they have to protect her because they're all about the, the Democratic National Party um, is really what Jeff Bezos cares about most. And why does he care about that? Because the Democratic National Party, after he gives him lots of money, will pass laws that protect his massive and growing business empires um, and protect him from competition and allow him to do things yeah, that are highly monopolistic. Right? <laughs> exactly. Like, where oh, was this no. fine woman worried about monopolistic uh, control without without accountability really ought to have been worried about this newspaper and the owner of this one right here, right? Um,
1: and way before that, too. Yeah. How many small businesses have been shut down as a result of Jeff Bezos' activity? Tons. And business ideals. I mean, come on.
0: Tons. And Royce is not afraid to say that. He will talk about it, but um, mm-hmm. uh, you know...
1: <laughs> now you're getting me riled up about this. He's a
0: far-right <laughs> so so just just because i can't help it this is how my brain works i connect all these dots um so so as they're saying this about him i said well you know i remember the washington post just recently ran they did run an article about the war in yemen i have to take it back they ran an article about the war in yemen um this is the article angle that came up with An unexpected result of Yemen's war, more men are cooking and cleaning, and they show a completely destroyed building. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, that's exactly the take we needed at this time. That there it is, Washington Post. They got their finger on it.
1: (laughs) Democracy dies in darkness. It
0: does. It does indeed.
1: Let's enlighten people. So,
0: I just that's so tragic. I have to laugh. What an astonishing headline and article to write that that's your take on the Yemen war is that well more men are cooking and cleaning um just bizarre the, the whole thing is bizarre so so the washington post to me is a prime example of what happens when you have billionaire control of of a of a media that he, jeff bezos bought the washington post it's now his personal little thing to to run around with but it's become very woke and i think by the time you're writing articles like this you're your wokeness is really working against you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you missed the mark a little bit. Missed
0: the mark. You sinned in, in the old, old version of that word, which means to miss the mark, that your arrow did not find center. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this is not finding the center of this. This is a very tragic war. There are children, millions of them, undernourished, malnourished, starving. It's really brutal. We don't get bombarded with pictures of it day in, day out. So, of course, a lot of people don't know about it. But if you thought what we're seeing in Ukraine was brutal... Just Mm -hmm. as brutal. Wars brutal. It's all brutal. I'm against all wars. I don't like any of them, right? But we've ignored this one as a nation uh, pretty comprehensively while spending a lot of time hearing, you know, minute by minute what's going on in Ukraine. So it's -hmm. fine, but uh, just saying the asymmetry of coverage is really astonishing. And we should always ask ourselves, there's two things to know about in media.
2: That's just it.
0: When are they lying to you straight up? That's a sin of commission. And when are they lying by not telling you about something, which is the sin of omission? They commit, they omit. All these things all the time. So Yemen's been an omission for me. It's just standing there as like a, a non-story for a really long time until this came out. And now I'm I'm glad to know that more men are cooking and cleaning
1: Yeah. as a result. You feel better now.
0: So war does have a good side. I'm so confused by this take. It's just, it's such a, it's such a.
1: Maybe somebody could explain it for us. <laughs> I, I don't know.
0: All right, carrying on.
1: All right. All right,
0: Matt Taibbi, yeah, I love how he writes. And, uh, I've had him on the show a couple times. I, I, uh, he's great.
1: He's a fantastic writer. Yeah,
0: good guy. Um, so he wrote in an article about this whole um, Great Musk Panic, as this one's called. He wrote, the New York Times earlier this week ran a guest essay by Gawker founding editor Elizabeth Spears, fulminating about Elon Musk's effort to purchase Twitter. She wrote, quote, what exactly does Musk believe can't be said on the platform right now? It certainly doesn't take long to find discredited race science, arguments that women are intellectually inferior, anti-Semitism. It is easy to assume that the banned speech that Mr. Musk is standing up for is worse than worse, even than that. As the comedian Michael Che put it on Saturday Night Live, the $44 billion deal shows how badly white guys want to use the N-word. He writes, carrying on, quote, the hypocrisy of America's self-appointed culture protectors this week is breathtaking. They really seem not to realize that what they've been seeking for years isn't an end to speech issues but a monopoly on them bingo they see musk as a traitor to his class threatening to upend what they see as a natural order that in recent years placed blue nose squads in deserved roles as vanguards and truth arbiters end quote bingo i think he nailed it right there there he's a elon musk is a traitor to his class he's he's actually saying i'm gonna bring speech down from the vaunted highs where it's owned and held by a protected few and bring it to more people. Not acceptable. The messages always have to come on high, and that, of course, was the whole COVID story. The messages, you can only ones you can listen to, come from on high. So it's really a very authoritarian, top-down, Yeah. you know, here's where all the right answers originate.
1: And that's why you got in trouble, I think. You got spanked so badly, you know, in terms of view counts and all of that. Mm-hmm. You're trying to get this really... It, at some points, it felt really important information out there, Yep. you know, as a journalist. And it was just frustrating to have your stuff shut down, to be censored. and. Well,
0: right over here, I'm, I'm letting loose with more of my opinions about things. But over there, when I do my updates about what's going on with the science, I'm just I'm bringing the facts. Right? Mm-hmm. I bring just a lot of facts. I know, you know, and it would turn out when the f- when the facts, you can't bring the facts because they aren't approved facts. I got in trouble. I remember one of the times I got in trouble was December 8th, 2020. Yeah, 2020. Um, I, I got a YouTube strike, right? And you only get three and then your whole channel gets wiped out, right? So mm-hmm. I got one of those dreaded strikes. It was that bad of a sin. And what I did there was I talked about that I had come across enough data to suggest that um, women's uh, menstrual cycles are being upset by exposure to the vaccine, right? And that, that that's what I would found, that was medical misinformation. It was so damaging, got the strike, right? And it was just months later that, of course, that became common knowledge. And they're like, oh, yeah, it's a thing, right? <laughs> um, and so uh, that's really a stunt. You know, to me, I was just a couple months ahead of approved timing for that particular piece of knowledge. So it wasn't even that I was wrong or that I was going to say something that the center was never going to say, the center of the story, the narrative control. Right. It said I was just ahead of them by a, a couple months.
1: Right. That's what made it offensive. Yeah. Yeah which is
0: again so back to the slides because Elizabeth Spears right what exactly does must believe can't be said on the platform right now well, I'll tell you you want to know what can't be said here's a short list of people that I gather every time somebody one of my heroes is is uh, chucked off of Twitter mm-hmm. I kept I collect it so Robert Malone account suspended one of the most truthful high integrity people I know just out there trying to share what he knows if you don't agree with it come with different data he'll listen to it over time that's how we advance and grow as, as scientists and, and our okay. understanding steve kirsch account suspended turns out this guy is going to be anointed as probably the most right individual ever how early he was and how declarative he was about what was going on with uh with vaccine and injuries around that Walter Chestnut, um, the Parsi Follower account, just, just, just daily, just scrubbing into the data, asking what's going on with this data and um, uh, around COVID mostly. COVID-19 Crusher, I was crushed when COVID-19 Crusher was taken off. That wow. was my go-to person. If you said, where did like 25% of the content for all of my updates come from? It was because that was the first account I would check every mm-hmm. morning. COVID-19 Crusher, I don't know who this person or persons were. But they had their finger on all the research. They would just grab data, you know, pointing me to articles, mm-hmm. parsing through it, thinking about what it might mean. Um, absolutely unbelievable. Their account was suspended. Mary Beth Pfeiffer, a journalist, writing about—I um, remember what got her kicked off. She wrote about ivermectin favorably. Gone. Um, and so, this—this this isn't hateful speech. This isn't. This isn't a, a collection of people who are harassing minorities and women right these were all scientists and journalists writing about Mm -hmm. and trying to understand better what was going on around covid which of course is not settled we learn stuff every day about it um it's amazing what we now know about Mm -hmm. this it's taught me and i think us more about virus and treating viruses and viral illness than the past 150 years prior to that these past two years very condensed largely because of actions like these people who are at the edge Daring to buck consensus, ask hard questions, and mm-hmm. and put it forward. So when you know when um, when Elizabeth Spear says, "Well, what exactly does must believe can't be said on the platform right now?" Well, I'll tell you, um, you can't talk about things that run against certain corporate and or government policy interests. And we talked about with uh, Raytheon and government. Sometimes those interests overlap a little bit. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you get that. You get that overlap. So this to me, this this is the world that I inhabit. And there may well be other battles that I don't know about because I I occupy a very narrow sense of what's happening on the Twitter sphere, but this is what I notice. Um, and this this is inexcusable to me. Mm-hmm. This is absolutely inexcusable. Cause I could show you an equivalent number of accounts that were busy promoting fear
1: mm-hmm.
0: around COVID. Oh my God. Omicron's coming, and millions are going to die. Here's a model we just found, and it's the billions are going to die. Here's these, your
1: winter of death and
0: yes, <laughs> destruction. Per, perhaps somebody might even dare to threaten you with a, win, a winter of darkness and death um, and still not get banned, right? Um, so it was very one-sided. Mm-hmm. So the people who were out trying to understand this, I felt, were treated really poorly mm-hmm. and shunned and banned and, and all of that. And people who were busy explaining how fearful this whole thing was Got a, they got they got more followers. I watched their follower counts just get who ratcheted up. So mm-hmm. it was pretty clear the people in Twitter were invested in some way in the larger narrative of COVID is a really bad bad disease and we have to listen to our central authorities mm-hmm. and pharma companies exclusively. That was that's how that went.
1: And this also happened during COVID on Reddit as well. I remember that happening. Do you remember that being able to go on there and find threads that then got locked down and they were suspended or uh what did they call it
0: um yeah brain lock (laughs) check this out check this out um this is awesome so pierre corey just wrote this uh and this is in um the brownstone.org brownstone institute revamping our dysfunctional drug approval process i've pulled a paragraph out of the middle he wrote quote leading social media platforms took draconian measures to stifle follow-up conversation daring to question the company line for example clicking on a reddit thread so you were just talking mm-hmm. about, featuring MDs, PhDs, and public health professionals discussing the randomization of the TOGETHER trial, first brings users to an ominous page with a quarantine.
1: There it is. Yep, that's what that's it, right. i knew,
0: I, was, I told you, it was like <laughs> right in here. A quarantine caveat, urging readers to please consult your physician, uh, and he nails it here, the most grotesque perversions imaginable are already readily available to any child on the internet, but informed medical conversations come with a warning label end quote
1: that's powerful it is really well written yeah well i mean i'm not surprised but
0: i know pierre's such a stand-up guy and a great writer and all that but he, he put his finger right on that um and so it's absolutely true that you can like you can see really awful stuff on the internet anytime you want you Accidentally, know, Including yeah. on, on Twitter. I'm not saying like, you know, people went off to Pornhub and searched, you know, strange terms. Um, I'm not recommending people do this because this was an accident I make. So one of the things I like to do on Twitter is I follow this guy, Javier Blas, right, who's an energy writer for Bloomberg. And he's got the best energy stuff and you know what's going on. By the way, in part two of this, I'm going to be talking with people at Peak Prosperity, uh, Evie and I, talking about what's going on with the whole energy thing in Europe right now, Germany just shot itself in both its feet, and Europe's about to go down down the drain, but if I want to know anything about that, Javier Blas is, is the man. So I follow him, but sometimes I don't, I, have a lot, I follow a lot of people, so it's, it's difficult to sift through my, my followers. So what I do is I go to the search bar and I type it in, and I forgot to ty- type the at one day. I just started typing, and I typed J-A-V, right, which is Javier. Don't do that apparently that's a term I didn't know this <laughs> it involves Japanese women I'm I just it's but it's I was shocked because I don't I don't come that's not how I utilize Twitter I was really shocked what was on there um,
1: I, I'm not even gonna go and I'm not even gonna ask but that's crazy to me that that stuff is so readily available but yeah what this world is upside down to me I, you, I don't get it yeah sorry <laughs>
0: All right, so um, uh, coming into the close on this, I just want to talk about uh, this mass psychosis piece because we talked about it at the beginning. Yeah, so let's bring it back That's around. Matthias Desmet. That's me. I could I could look a little bit more interested. Trust me, I'm really paying attention in that photo. <laughs> <laughs> I was really paying attention to this guy because it was awesome. One of the better conversations that framed a whole bunch for me. It's amazing. Check it out. Look it up. Brilliant. Um, there are four conditions that are Used to create mass psychosis. Conditions number one and number two are that lack of meaning making or sense making. That's condition one, and then the loss of social bonds. So it turns out Twitter, Facebook, et cetera, et cetera, are exceedingly good at those two conditions because it feels like this, they're called social media apps, but they're not social. We're not really connecting with each other when we're on those apps and when we're fighting with robots. And it's just it's like the the ability to really make sense and come to real true meaning making on those is low. You have to curate really heavily. So when I have deep conversations with Brett Weinstein and, um, you know, roller gator and, and, uh, Matt Crawford and, and, uh, JJ Morris and all White. these, all these people, like, you know, we can have pretty deep conversations, but it has to be heavily curated. If you, if you let, you know, we have places we go to have those conversations. If you just let the trolls and the bots come in and Forum slide your conversations as they call it and the gambits for deception. It eh, doesn't work out. Um so so that's conditions number one, number two. Um, and I feel like like you can't make sense of any of this stuff, right? So New York City just recently announced that they're gonna keep the mask mandate, but just for kids under five. That's cruel. Adults, no, that's you're rude. good. Six year olds, you're good. We're just gonna keep the mask mandates for kids under five. That's
2: right? Awful.
0: And that was Mayor Eric Adams making this announcement where does eric adams come off doing that and, and who are the health people advising him why kids five and under what kind of message are we sending to kids five and under you can't make sense of this you, you completely this is anti-sense making anti-meaning making this is how you lose meaning and sense mm-hmm. is you live in new york and you have to put up with this crazy stuff right and so this isn't like from 2021 or 20 this is april of 2022
1: so right it's saying that uh, as a judge moved to strike down the requirement. So is it still standing or did not?
0: Yeah. um, It was, I'm not sure where it stands right this moment, but I just, it's just, that, that anybody was even arguing that this was a sensible policy in the first place. It violates conditions one and two, and, of course, it breaks the social bonds. Um, as, so I think it does both of them. And then recently, uh, Wall Street Journal appeals court reinstates backs Biden's vaccine mandate for federal workers. And, of course, once you understand this territory a little bit, you understand natural immunity, you understand actually what Omicron is and isn't and how, in fact, these vaccines and Omicron have almost nothing to do with each other in terms of one helping for the other, et cetera, et cetera. Again, it just, to hear that these things happen, this was just on April 7th, um, that these things happen, it, it destroys the sense making. So this, these are just a couple examples, but the whole last two years have been about destroying our ability to make sense out of things. Mm-hmm. So the With other thing, we, you know, in the running to call this program was the Common Sense Show, but there, there are several called that. But that's what I did fundamentally, always, was just apply common sense. This is nonsense. These things right here. This is complete nonsense. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, condition number three. You need high levels of free-floating anxiety.
1: Ooh, I love that.
0: You like that? No, I
1: hate free-floating anxiety personally. Well, the
0: virus—that's your perfect free-floating anxiety creator, right there. Uh, it's amazing. So now they're studying this and everything. In in plus one, there was this article it just came out of a bio-psychosocial model of severe fear of COVID 19. um and then in uh med med plus here we had uh, fear is at the root of the covid crisis a lot of fear there was a lot of fear there was a lot of fear
1: oh and a doctor wants to build back trust in the patient provider relationship
0: building back trust better i presume um, All right. in the patient provider relationship is essential trust was shattered it's really not going to come back for a lot of people Sorry, medical profession, especially the doctors who remained quiet in the face of knowing better information, but especially you doctors who may have availed for yourself certain specific early treatments but denied them to your patients. Special place for y'all. But one thing you don't get is renewed trust with your with your patients. That's gone. Um, so that happened a lot. I'm yeah. embarrassed it's like to
1: the say. Like Tuskegee experiments, like yeah, it's just not right after that. You can't. Rewind that moment.
0: Well, remember we saw exact but we saw these these um, uh, studies that showed that some people thought that if you got COVID, there was like a fifty percent chance you were going to die.
1: Oh, I know. Depending on the left and the right, too, right? Yeah, and
0: it was it in a varied by which which where you fell on the left right spectrum, but you know, and then when you actually understood the actual survival rates, this is Johnny Anitas, the Stanford professor who had studied this all out, you know, to a um, bunch of papers. So the survival rates were. You know, if you're 0 to 19, it was 99.997. Um, you know, it's just, like, pretty high. These are survival rates. But, of course, we, we'd, the whole thing had been flipped. You create fear and free-flowing anxiety by telling people about the death rates.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: It takes a different turn when you talk about the survival rates.
2: You know? It does. It
0: just feels different, right? Um, but the media would find that very, very rare one person under the age of 19 who would die usually with COVID rather than of distinction Mm -hmm. and then take that case out and put it out. And then it becomes, Oh my God, that could happen to my kid. Right. And that's where you create a lot of that fear. But the survival rate tells a slightly different story about all that.
1: Well, it's the, if it bleeds, it, it reads, right? Uh, Yeah. I mean, we're going back to that whole thing.
0: Yeah. All right. uh, Condition number four is high levels of frustration and aggression. I didn't know where to put this example, but um, this caught me, stuck with me, and I thought I'd bring it up again. When University of Washington Medical Center um, informed Mr. Allen on June 7th, 2021, uh, your name has been removed from the wait list at the University of Washington Medical Center for organ donation. This was done to follow up your recent conversation with providers regarding the heart transplant selection committee's concerns about your compliance with COVID-19 related policies and recommendations. The gentleman did not want to get a vaccine. Because he had a, a frail heart and rightly, in his own informed consent way, had decided that this vaccine wasn't the right one for him. And they removed him from the transplant list, which was telling him, you know what? I remember We're that. so disappointed in your decision here that we're going to condemn you to death. That's
1: outrageous. It was very outrageous. I remember when you found this and shared this with me think about how angry
0: and frustrated you have to be to say to somebody you've disappointed me prepare to die
1: and the price is death yeah for for a, a situation that you couldn't control in the first place
0: yep and stoking those fears and somebody i will never 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 forgive is the toronto star never forgive you this was uh they wrote these headlines this was on the front page this was um from august of 2021 right Look at these headline quotes up here. If an unvaccinated person catches it from someone who is vaccinated, boo-hoo. Too bad. I have no empathy left for the willful, willfully unvaccinated. Let them die. I honestly don't care if they die from COVID, not even a little bit. Unvaccinated patients do not deserve ICU beds. At this point, who cares? Stick the unvaccinated and tent outside and tend to them when the staff has time. This is giant 40-point font front page othering othering in canada right so think about the high levels of frustration and aggression that, that gets stoked by this right this was really unforgivable this was the media using its power and its position to specifically create the conditions for mass psychosis they did this on purpose this wasn't an accident now, we have to question how conscious they were of what they were up to, but I submit to you, they're more than capable of understanding that this is going to lead to simmering divide, right?
1: So shocked. People don't know how to get along anymore.
0: No, <laughs> it's that hypocrisy that drives me nuts. It's that it's that inability to sort of understand the consequences of your actions. This is what I think the people who are behind this kind of stuff, they are uniquely bad at, is understanding the consequences mm-hmm. of their actions. I think Germany's about to find out the consequences of shooting itself in the energy foot and voting to uh, no longer accept Russian oil and maybe not take the gas anymore. Mm-hmm. Right. They're going so to discover. Massachusetts? <laughs> oh, my goodness. My own state's doing the same dumb stuff. Right. So.
1: <laughs> <sighs> Sorry, you're going to say
0: they I'm will discover understand. that the consequences actually happen. So so this but this is just funny. So the Toronto Star is is uh, a, an object of contempt for me, but also humor and ridicule. So I found this hysterical um this was their follow-up headline a couple months later <laughs> 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 why is everyone so angry
2: <laughs> <Nah>. <laughs> totally true
0: i didn't reverse them that's this is real
2: funny.
0: right um and and so that's the sort of uh, uh sins of commission that i think these are co- these are committed sins by by the toronto star absolutely no question about it hands down i'm not happy with them for pulling any of that stuff off so um at any rate that, that's what I saw there. Um, and then sort of, sort of to close this out, to just show you where I stand on free speech, make sure we're clear on this, Public Citizen, who I've quoted some of their stuff before, um, they do pretty good job of keeping track of public spending and stuff like that. They wrote, FYI, we're blocked by Elon Musk, so much for being committed to free speech. Um, yeah, no, I'm going to take the other side of this, Public Citizen, but look how many people were ready to weigh on that, 367,000 people said, yeah. Because I think they're just like, yeah, Elon Musk, is, is his commitment to free speech is, is junk. No, no. Free speech is my ability to say whatever I want. It also includes my agency to not listen to anything I don't want to. Mm-hmm. That's the other side of that coin. So free speech is not about somebody having to listen to you. It's about them having the right to say what they want to say. I have the right to not listen to their junk if I don't want to, mm-hmm. right? And that includes you know, uh, this particular exchange right here. So Public Citizen got this one wrong, and all the people who thought that this was an example of how Elon Musk is not committed to free speech is not actually accurate. Elon, like everybody, has the right to decide where they're going to apportion their attention and who they're going to listen to. Mm-hmm. Right? If somebody came in here and said, I demand the right to spend three hours of your life telling you about how I believe in the flat earth theory, I'd get to say no. I have no interest in hearing that. Mm-hmm. I'll never get those three hours back. I got other things to do. Right.
1: Exactly right. So I just wanted to round that out
0: um, on that whole piece. So there, that's, that's, you feel that's better now? I f- well, I do feel a little bit better. So <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: I have uh, some things when you're ready. I have some things that I thought I could read. I don't know why, but I love reading things that are well written that may or may not have anything to do with what you're talking about. But I found them grounding.
0: Good, what'd you bring today?
1: Um, I actually have something from Annie Dillard. I like, oh, I like Annie Dillard. I like her a lot. Um, and I found uh, a particular quote that is a little bit on the longer side, but... Um, oops, where did it go? It's beautiful. I, I don't know. I'm sure people are familiar with her. She wrote uh, several really good books, but um, this is from... Ah, <sighs> Pilgrim at Tim- Tinker Creek, excuse me. Um, let's see. Uh, this is, let's see, quote, when her doctor took her bandages off and led her into the garden, the girl who was no longer blind, quote, saw the tree with the lights in it. It was for this tree I searched through the peach orchards of summer in the forests of fall and down winter and spring for years. Then one day I was walking along Tinker Creek and thinking of nothing at all, and I saw the tree with the lights in it. I saw the backyard cedar where the morning doves roost, charged and transfigured, each cell buzzing with flame. I stood on the grass with the lights in it, grass that was holy fire, utterly focused and utterly dreamed. It was less like seeing that like being, for the first time being for the first time see knocked breathless by a powerful glance. The flood of fire abated, but I'm still spending the power. Gradually, the lights went out in the cedar, the colors died, the cells unflamed and disappeared. I was still ringing. I had been my whole life a bell and never knew it until at that moment I was lifted and struck. I have since only very rarely seen the tree with the lights in it. The vision comes and goes, mostly goes, but I live for it. For the moment the mountains open and a new light roars and spate through the crack and the mountains slam.
0: Hmm. What caught you about that one?
1: I just like the idea that she had spent her whole life a bell and and didn't realize it until she had been rung. Hmm. I, I like the idea of us as humans also being utilized by some greater forces to do good in the world and to reverberate with that throughout our existence here
0: this is the time it really is i mean every lifetime is the only one you get but i think now is the time we're all being called to greatness and it's you either stand up and operate with integrity and you're counted Mm -hmm. or you're not but this has been a great sorting function these past couple years i i now know who the intellectual frauds and moral cowards were are mm-hmm. and who the opposite of that is, who who stands tall and who's who you can really count on. Um, so it's been a great winnowing, and I assume that everybody listening to this, you've probably had some uh, some of your own great winnowings happen in in your own life at this stage of people that you thought you knew that maybe you didn't, or people you thought you could trust that maybe you couldn't, and then the reverse, figuring out the opposites of those two conditions. Um, so. Uh, that's been astonishing for me. It's just how much the landscape has shifted here. Mm-hmm. But I do believe that that to be resilient now is going to be really important. I think that we're going to be sorely tested as individuals. I think that when we look at, you know, my all the rest of my work in the world is, is about talking about the economic changes that are coming, but more importantly, the su- sustainability or lack thereof things that are coming. And we're seeing that play out now big time in europe u.s even rest of the world food food insecurity lack of fertilizers energy overprinting of money i mean it's just all these things combined into this big unsustainable soup um, which doesn't mean unsurvivable so that's the big difference here is that uh, you know how we're going to be going forward is really important so so understanding how to how to be
2: mm-hmm.
0: like who am i and what do i stand for and what do i not stand for and and mm-hmm. also, um, What am I also, doing here? What am I doing here? <laughs> and getting busy and, and and just realizing how soft I've become in it's modern life is real soft making. Mm. It's easy. You know? And not
1: in like the good way soft, because I think that there are ways to sort of surrender into life that Yeah, are no, I meant not beautiful. the good way soft. I okay. meant
0: I meant the other way. Just so, to clarify. Not not like in the movie The Revenant with Leonardo DiCaprio and he gets mauled by a, a big grizzly and is left for dead and somehow survives with no gun. <laughs>
1: What a bad day. Big
0: wounds, you know. (laughs) He's not soft in that movie, right? So, no, I I just think there's so much coming that we're going to have to be prepared for, and that's why I like context. That's why I like informed consent. That's why I like bringing all this information. Actually, just out here looking for fellow tribe members. So, um, to the extent that um, we have that, uh, yeah, very good. So, on the line, we have um, Seneca Scott. This is going to be amazing. Uh, Can't wait to talk to him here. He is mayoral candidate for... Oakland, California, and I think he's got a pretty decent chance. Amazing guy. Um, So, hey, Aaron, any chance we can uh, get Seneca on the line? One
2: second.
0: All right, and we turn now to a gentleman that I know reasonably well through Twitter, and uh, I guess through through uh, texting and through email. But this is our first time talking, Seneca Scott Sen. Welcome to the program.
3: Hello, thank you, Chris. I'm thrilled to be here. Uh, It's been a day of serendipity being on programs that I watch almost every day for the last year or two.
0: Well, that's because you're you're out busy trying to change the world, but let's introduce people first. You're calling in from, I guess you're in Oakland. Um, What have you been doing out in Oakland the last few years?
3: So I'm in Oakland, California. I'm an urban farmer. Um, I have a festival company, Ocala, that throws parties and has fun and I grow food for my neighbors. Recently, I got involved with politics, and this is after a career in in labor. Uh, I've been a a director for multiple labor unions. I went to Cornell University for industrial labor relations. So I'm a professional union organizer, and actually came to Oakland to be the East Bay director, so the union for, um, I don't really use that term, but to make it easy, for the city. So I, I left after two years to semi retire And through my thing, I I like to grow, including cannabis and other things that are legal in California, and it provides a nice, uh, a cushion to be creative. And I love Oakland for its creative spirit. It's a very beautiful place. The people are absolutely really intelligent, which makes it even worse what's happened the past two years, but we'll get into that. And so I got involved with politics to I felt no choice. Uh, as, a, as an organizer, I'm looking around and the, the, the disconnect from the elite was really, really bad. And that's an oversimple term. I think it's, it's more devious. There's a, there's a motive to it. And, you know, I felt like no one's talking about the real issue. How do I get my got to grow food, be resilient, get ready for the economic storm that's coming? Message across in local politics to a place that are resistant to that, and you don't look like a crazy person with a tinfoil hat, and so, um, here we are today.
0: Yeah, well, um, so the you're running for mayor, is that right?
3: That is correct.
0: So how's that going so far? And by the way, um, I I really support your your candidacy for mayor. Uh, obviously, you know Oakland has some. Uh, has some issues, but, you know, where I really, I mean, I, the fact that you're helping people grow food and you grow food for people, I mean, this is a big for me. You know, I, I every COVID uh, episode for the past couple of years, I would usually end with, like, um, hey, plant a garden. Well, right. a garden. I, I had a reason for that, which is, hey, healthier food, but I think we're going to need it. Now it's looking like, pe- I think more people understand why. How, tell us about that growing food part and how you connect that to running for mayor, please.
3: So we actually have a... Uh plan to create the department of agriculture and our program is called overgrow oakland which is a nod to the old cannabis revolution of overgrowth of government where you were just going to throw your posses all over the place and watch them pulling up right so it's really hit home uh, in my mayoral lunch i said we're going to need to grow food to actually be healthy and the news ran that clipped not weeks after we saw a dramatic escalation in our food prices. And we knew this was coming when the state of California, I don't know if you noticed Chris, they, or maybe it was federal, they increased the federal SNAP 20% in October, November, 2021. Yeah, SNAP and food stamp went up 20% in one jump at the <clears throat> end of last year. And we knew, okay, they know people are gonna not be able to eat if they don't yep. increase these food stamps you know, allocation. And they're gonna have to do it again very soon because that was to deal with the last rising food prices. We remember that 4th of July madness with the like ground beef and like no ketchup, no, you know, um, here's what you can have for the 4th of July. No, the prices didn't go up and they were lying about it. Uh, and now here we are with people not being able to access the nutritional needs that they have. And when you tell them that, hey, a of tomato is $6 at the store. You can grow unlimited heirloom tomatoes with you know a path or two of seeds some arable land and fertilizer that comes from your compost or your neighborhood chicken it it's getting more close to home now that people are seeing the writing on the wall but it's not translating into a sense of urgency with policy
0: hmm. all right so um... What is that sense of urgency? I just want to, you know, my audience uh, probably at least a little bit. Uh, we I'm, have this I'm idea that, yeah, we're a little bit on this unsustainable course. You and I have had some great phone conversations ar- around that um, and and so I just want to make sure people understand where you're coming from. So the future, how do you see this playing out possibly?
3: So in September 2019, I saw the Repo Madness began
0: repo madness yes you
3: guys remember that i didn't know you then chris i discovered your podcast uh february of 2020 but in 2019 and before 2019 i actually recorded a song with el sweatshirt and Chris and denmark fessy who are uh, pretty famous rappers if you're in a rapid rap star and my monologue at the end of the song mirage goes on for like seven you know four or five minutes or more and i'm just telling people hey watch these cyber attacks watch out for food shortages these things are coming and lo and behold september 2019 all of the banks need a handout from the daddy fed and in 2008 as a refresher just lehman brothers having a tap the repo market was enough to sort of set off the dominoes for the financial collapse and that not that the totality of it so don't You know, I'm not a financial person to that level. But that was a big part of the narrative with the insolvency. And now you're seeing this in every major bank. No one's talking about it. The money printing began in earnest. And I knew in 2022, we're going to have to see helicopter money to the people or we're going to see some sort of catastrophic economic collapse. And lo and behold, we got a way to get PPE money, I don't. I mean, a lot of that thought, I, I believe was permissible. We have a way to get unemployment boost to people. I mean, the, the money was flowing and it was literally helicopter money to the people. And that always gave me uh, a different viewpoint of what was going on. However, early on in COVID, Chris, I actually shared your sense of alarm. I started up in my, I'm a prepper. I am definitely into preparedness, into second amendment rights and, and resiliency as a community to stand what I believe is gonna be the greatest depression that we've already begun. And I was more like, China's crazy. Look, China's about that money, if they're locking down, I don't care what anyone's saying, this is not good. Something bad's going on, let me up my preps, let me up my medicine, let me get my goggles like they were wearing in China. And so I found your podcast on peak prosperity and i love the intersection between the financial knowledge which was you know one of my hobbies and resilience and giving me a daily or you know kind of a daily briefing at least a bi-weekly briefing on COVID, from a scientific standpoint where i could have some confidence and you weren't by any means the only person i was was watching at the time um there was a lot of sources but it was when you change your position on math or gesture that really had a lot of respect for, I said, Oh, this person who's here for the right reason. This isn't performative. This isn't to sell a product. This is to, to really someone who's putting a lot of time and energy and intention to help and save lives. And I started to pay close attention to the things that you were doing and saying, and, um, you know, I've really incubated a lot of your thought leadership into my campaign. And it's worked great, which tells me sometimes it's just the vessel delivering the message and the time than it is the message itself. We need to be pragmatic about that and not be butthurt because Black people for a long time couldn't say shit, right? We couldn't deliver the messages we wanted to deliver because of racism and, and slavery. And I'm not a big victimhood person. I'm a more self-determination type of person. So I tell white people who still disenfranchised, welcome to the party and you need to do what you got to do in an asymmetrical fashion to regain power and control for the people. And I'm really interested in that. The campaign's going, it's got a duality to it. On one hand, we're, we're building a populist movement that's responding to the issue. We're doing a good old fashioned labor relations playbook of educate, agitate, and organize. And it works, it definitely works. On the other hand, you're alienating our own duopoly in Oakland, because we don't really have a team red. We have 10,000 registered Republicans in a city of just under a half a million, and that's not a lot. And I think we have 250,000 or so registered voters. So it's not a large percentage, but those 7,000 of those Republicans who do vote religiously are a very important vote in an election where the mayor can win with 60,000 votes. So it can account for more than 10% of your base if you can reach that audience. So on that front, it's going well. We've had Roe Conner reach out and we've had the Bay Area conservative reach out. What a reach. What a reach for the propaganda that removes all of the virtue signaling language that both sides are to of and tries to be very intentional about just speaking to the moment and what's needed in the issue. And that's going fantastic. Uh, what's not going fantastic which is one of my urgent reasons and to message today is we need to keep up fundraising-wise. Now, we're not destitute. We're doing decent, but we're not keeping up. And 70% of elections in Oakland are won by the person with the most money. That's an encouraging statistic, considering we've got a better campaign. We're the first male candidate to break into national media. And we absolutely have the best message, the best website, and the best plan. But we're an insurgency. And we've also got some opposition who doesn't want to see us raise our money.
0: Now now I'm having a hard time putting my finger on who you really are because I hear union organizer, I hear a 2 FA rights amendment uh, you know, kind of a guy. I, I hear somebody who's really into individual responsibility and uh and and taking care of yourself to the best you can what with controlling what you can kind of hard like where do you place yourself
3: i politically? love that question i love that question because it's for the audience i think and not you because i go up down that's why mm-hmm. and that's what it looks like when, when you're just yep. responding to the news of the moment and what you think is best i always say do what you believe is best don't think you know best, or do what you believe is right don't think you are right and what that leads to is an, an open mind, um, what I call classical liberalism, which is actually intellectual discourse, leading to policy. And we've just shifted so many things now, I'd rather just do away with it all and and, and have different plans, and different marketing for post-partisanship and, and being a solutionary. So I'm a person who I think is very much in line with most people in America right now. If you go and you poll every single person in America, if we had that capacity to go to their home or go to the place where they felt the most comfortable, we got an honest answer from them about their fears and insecurities, you can predict what they're gonna say. You can 60% of Americans don't have a $1,000 for agency. You can predict what the majority of Americans are gonna say in terms of they're worried about their money. Anybody on a fixed income is absolutely terrified right now, unless they just have no idea what's going on. Even someone with a baseline of knowledge about, especially fixed income people happen to be single citizens a lot, so they have a continuity of knowledge from the questionnaire. So these are very serious issues, and our electors don't talk about them at all. They just, they're insufferable. We're in a time right now when we need leaders that can unicycle and juggle, and we have leaders that can barely walk and chew gum. And it's, it's getting people killed, and it's helping to accelerate our societal collapse. So, Sen, what what
0: what can you really do as mayor? So just take us through. What, what are some of you, the things on, on your platform? Like, what would you do first? What, what's so, your priority list here?
3: Inside baseball talk is my first priority, but it's actually relevant. Oakland is one of the only cities of the top 10. It is the only top 10 city in California. And we're the eighth largest city. We're one of the few port cities that has a hybrid form of government. We don't have a strong mayor that has to ability the line item veto or hire the fire department head, or even have a vote on city initiative or resolution, unless there's a tiebreaker, which we never have because we have an even number of councilpersons, and since they're factions, someone can always just abstain. So. The- the mayor is sort of weak. They do get to hire a city administrator, which theoretically has the power to control the city. But since each of these could be councilperson, chair a department, and you have this commission and that commission, there's no accountability, and they like it that way. So one of the things we need to do is what Jerry Brown failed to do. then governor turned mayor of Oakland, he tried to get a charter amendment in and, and 97 passed for a strong mayor, and he failed. Then he tried again in 98 for a hybrid model, which he called a strong mayor, and it passed. We've had that model since. I'm the only candidate actually advocating for a charter amendment to return, well, not return, but actually go to a strong mayor form of government like every other major city has. And a city manager form of government, which is the alternative means the city council hires a city manager and the city manager likes the city. That works very well in smaller municipalities, but studies show that there's a reason why major cities do not employ this model, and there's no perfect model to run a city. But when it comes to accountability, people deserve to elect a mayor as the figurehead and leader of that city, and know that they actually have the power to carry out the agenda that they elected them for.
0: So I love accountability. Um, so <laughs> I think you saw my tweet from from earlier. I I listen. Without accountability, nothing changes. Obviously, we need some big changes. I look at California, I got to be honest, uh, listen, not trying to dump on your chosen state and everything, but I see some huge problems, if not predicaments coming, you know, just the way it spends, uh, the way it incentivizes things. Another quote I'm really fond of is you show me the incentive, I'll show you the outcome, you know, and, and it turns out San Francisco nearby city for you, you know, struggling because they have this food stamp program and they have this, you know, they're basically, they they don't, um, no accountability if you steal $950 or less from a store. And obviously those incentives line up to create just a pretty dystopian nightmare, I think, for at least small shopkeepers and people who want to feel safe. And I hear stories all the time from friends who live there saying they don't even lock their cars anymore because then you just have to replace the window, you know? You can't well, leave roll down, anything roll down your your
3: window so you can just go ahead and go for it. You know, like, just don't break it. It is a dystopian nightmare. In my op-ed, I described parts of the city as Mad Max. Most of the city is beautiful and livable. But the crime, if you look at Los Angeles, they had 80-something people shot this week. So we're looking into a without-rule-of-law situation, W-R-O-L, as prepper like to say, and we do not have the police to cover it. What's really insidious is you have Mm -hmm. police abolitionists and defunders who, they like to make this blanket statement, Chris. And the statement is, studies show adding more police doesn't reduce crime. And that's it. Well, I have a question. Studies show from what baseline? Because Oakland now is at barely over 50% staffing. I mean, 60% staffing. We have 650 officers out of 1,100. So from that baseline, are you making a case that improving more offices wouldn't help crime? And how low does the staff have to go until you let go of that position? They don't let go of it because it's not something that, it's, it's propaganda. And they repeat it a thousand times every day as it's a fact and no one challenges them because they're terrified of the political optics of taking on the wokes in these liberal cities who have dominated our local politics. So. We are headed to a very bad situation. Um, I've got, what's the order of operation? Well, I have a quote for you as well. Demographics are destiny. So my order of operation is water, food, black, silver, and gold. Then investments and S and and the Bitcoin and all that fun stuff that just numbers on a computer screen uh, to have fun with if you have all those other things in place. So I think we're headed for a nightmare. Um, I'm determined to see it through. I have my line in the sand when I hit my bug out, but unless it's something that's catastrophic, if I, I will let myself be boiled as the fog in water if it allows me to help save lives. As long as we're winning and we're, and we're moving forward and people are responding to what we're doing and they're supporting, I'm willing to do what's necessary to be a revolutionary in that fight. Uh, there is a chance I run for the hills if there's a dramatic turn of events. But I don't think things are going to play out like that. I think it's going to be a frog in the boiling water. and We're going to look up in a few months and the crime and violence is just so pervasive that we've fundamentally changed the way that we look at life. And we're forced to shed our normalcy bias and, and figure out another way to go with our politics. So banking on the, um, what's the good old saying, the necessity breeze, um, Innovation, mm-hmm. I probably butchered that, or but something along those lines, I'm hoping on that, but it's going to get bad, uh, much worse before it gets better, but someone has to say something and speak up and help to organize people to do what's necessary to save lives, be resilient. I, I grew up in a very Christian household. My parents were very beautiful, loving people. I watched the Hour of Power with Robert Shuler because we were home church. You heard of home mm-hmm. school. <laughs> we were home, church, because home of church. lack of Home church. We went to church. We had a bunch of churches, but it would eventually be an integrity issue. And my parents would yank us out. And we would be back at home and self-worship. And we would watch the our power. And he had a saying that I love, tough times never last, but tough people do. And I believe that that's true for us. And I think that we do have a strong sense of resiliency. We have a culture of resiliency. And preparedness that i'm trying to tap into and just wish me the best and you know please hit our website up and do what's best to support our movement
0: so um water food brass silver gold love it good good uh <laughs> awesome start there uh i'm a big believer in all of those things but listen you you know anybody who can connect the repo blowout of september 2019 to the COVID response and still come to the conclusion that they're going to throw their hat in the ring and, and wade into what you know is going to be possibly one of the hardest battles of, of everybody's lives this next period of time. That's a lot of courage. So, Sen, I want to support you here. Tell tell. Listen, if people want to support you, would love to see somebody who's up-down get into office, which we all do at this point in time. Um, how do they support you? Tell us where to go.
3: The best thing to do is go to our website, which is, let me click up here, let's right, Seneca for... Oakland mayor 2022.com. If you could link that in your chat when appropriate, that would be great, Chris.
0: Well, we'll, we'll put the URL right across the bottom there.
3: Thank you. So people can donate a maximum of $900. Businesses can donate a maximum of $1,700. I think the website has a minimum of 10. I may change it to five to be more accessible. Every dollar helps us win. What we're hoping to tap into is a postpartisan streak across the country and understand the prize that this Oakland. It's Oakland. It's literally the home base of some of the incubation of this war you know, progressive zealotry that has swept the country. And to take it out at the news. Wow, yep. what an opportunity. And we can absolutely achieve that goal with your support. People should know that people in Oakland are postpartisan. People with Oakland are mimicking the national uh, poll: uh, Most people not having a party choice right now, and they're, they're very politically homeless. They want some hope. They want some thought leadership that makes sense. But the apathy is crippling us Yeah. And the cut, the cut through that apathy. We're going to need a war chest to engage in high-level propaganda and media vibes
0: I love that guy. What would you? Th-
1: <laughs> I was really surprised. I thought he was great.
0: I, I really like Seneca. He's, he's obviously very smart. Tough times never last, but tough people do.
1: That's a great one. It's
2: all
0: about resilience. Um, and yeah, wow. Uh, so, anyway, and he's been a big follower of Peak Prosperity ever since he found it and um, had been on the same wavelength. I love consilience in science, is when different things bring you to the same conclusion. Mm-hmm. Right? He got. He got to his conclusions about where the world is going and the importance of food and all of that by, through a completely independent set of means. But we were both we were both on the financial vibe. So he's one of the few people out there who can say, you remember the repo crisis of 2019? OK, then COVID, like to connect those two dots is. Um, yeah, is-
1: that's- yeah astounding I it, it is actually. pretty
0: astounding because they, they actually do connect and there are very few people who can connect them that way uh so he's one of them so
1: does he know robert kiyosaki by i don't chance? know
0: but I'm, I'm introducing him to the people i know so I, I just connected him up with the unity party unity project people um out of california because they need to know about him and vice versa they're not political organization but i mean just you know he's a he's a good guy and they're good people so
2: absolutely
0: doing what i can to connect The good with the good. All right. Um, Well, hey, listen, we're going to skip now to... uh, And by the way, thank you, everybody, for listening. Let us know if this is a a good format for you, if you like this, um, you know, this live casting. This is uh, just us bringing, bringing our special magic here in the way we see the world. So if you find it useful, let us know. If not, let us know. We just... We're all about making this a a much better experience as best we possibly can. Big shout out to my team, to Aaron. We got Ryan in here, Evie, of course. Thank you so much for being here today. And we got Mike and Morgan uh, back behind, uh, you know, monitoring the chat and doing all that. So thank you everybody for being here for this. And remember, um, mass psychosis. It's not not just for little people anymore.
1: Oops. And, uh, and LiveCast is going to be Thursdays. So if you're looking for Chris's regular updates, those are going to be on Tuesdays, generally. Tuesdays,
0: and then we're going to be figuring out when we hold our webinars for our Peak Prosperity Insiders, where they get to live chat and, and connect um, with me about almost anything they yeah, would choose. And then come by peakprosperity.com, and we've got membership there. And, of course, that's where all the Part 2 content you will find. Part 2 is our special insider lingo for what i really think because um, i st- we're still in in a little bit of a um censorship env- i se- i self-censor a little
1: yeah you still. don't drop the f-bombs
0: well there's that but i mean uh, <laughs> <laughs> more than that um th- there are just some ideas out there that i know are are uh, still unacceptable within this context and you will lose your livelihood and your audience and all that for it so anyway come by peakprosperity.com. prosperity.com we're going to be talking now part two is about how europe is destroying itself this is one of the biggest stories that you need to know about right now uh, it's really important if you don't understand how economy and energy come together it's vital uh so watch the crash course and we're going to be redoing the crash course this year but hey it still sings as uh in its last incarnation which was last updated 2014 Crash course, 28 chapters, economy, energy, environment with the fourth honorary E of exponential growth. Once you see that, weren't you just telling me the other day that you had your energy goggles that once, because I put on my energy goggles, meaning that's how I see the world. And once you see the world through energy goggles, it's very hard to see it differently.
1: Yeah, I was telling you that the other day. Um, Just thinking about how we all got to where we are, there's no way that we could be here in our current configuration as a society without this enormous input of energy. And I think we're going to go back to wherever it was we were. (laughs) Pick up in the, what, late 1800s? I don't know what it'll look
0: like. Well, we are. Energy poverty is such a difference from energy abundance. And we live in the age of energy abundance, and it's amazing. So that's all we have for you today. We're going to be wrapping this up here, and we'll be heading over and continuing part two about how Europe is destroying itself at peak prosperity. Thanks so much for listening. We will be back with you next time.